last night, somebody in the vast reaches of the NBC network didn't get the word, as in the Army. The result was that football fans by the thousands were roused to a cold fury, and some probably haven't cooled down yet. Here is the last minute, as it would have been seen last night if somebody at NBC had got the word. They squibbed this one to prevent a run back. Earl Christie fumbling it around. He fumbles the ball, and Oakland has it for a touchdown. Oakland has scored two touchdowns in nine seconds. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to another episode of Minus 3, presented as always by our pals over there at FanDuel. FanDuel, all season long, whatever the sports season is, get in with FanDuel. Lots of good numbers out there to jump on going into the NFL weekend, and we'll go over those and what's coming up for you in college football here. Uh, a weird, yeah, well, I mean, I have to say it, so it, it was a weird Week 12 in the NFL, they've all been weird. But I think Week 12 was maybe uh, the weirdest of yeah. them all. I mean, there was a game on Wednesday afternoon. There was a matinee. Um, so anyway, let's look back at that. Look ahead to what's upcoming this weekend with our pal there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Jeff Schwartz, what's the poop, fella? My days are a little thrown off. As you mentioned, we're recording this on Thursday. There was a right. game yesterday in the NFL during the middle of the day. It was the most incredible thing ever, and it was exactly how a mid-Wednesday COVID-postponed disaster game would look like with just – it was not fun to watch. I mean, we watched it, of course, but there was nothing fun about that game. I don't feel enriched. I don't feel like I got any sort of detail on either team out of that game. But, hey, it was football, and then today I thought it was Tuesday all day, but it's obviously Thursday. That's really the the roller coaster that we're the roller coaster of emotion that football fans are riding this year. I was miffed as a Steelers fan that this game kept get kick, get kept getting kicked a day forward, um, one day at a time from Thanksgiving to six days later, <laughs> and then it kind of dawned on me on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, like. How much am I going to bellyache? I get to watch a football game at high noon out here on the West Coast. And then you're watching the game, and it's unsatisfying. And then, as a Steelers fan, the injury to Bud Dupree That's really bad. Lo- looms significant going forward, and we're yes. going to dig in on that in just a second here. Um, but and then, and, and then nobody is satisfied by the quality of play, and I don't know where that leaves us. And now we have no time to lament or celebrate anything that we just saw because, as you say, Week 13 is already here. And let's kick it off, Jeff Schwartz. The craziest – I mean, this is as 2020 as it gets here. Let's get into our fan duel bet boost for the minus three listener right here and yes. now. I think it's a it's a pretty kooky one, but you just heard the Heidi Bowl sound there from way back when. We kind of had our own Heidi Bowl because the Steelers Ravens had to play the matinee because NBC preferred to show the light, the tree lighting ceremony or what? I didn't watch it out of pro. I can't watch it because NBC is there in some labor dispute. I don't even get NBC right now on my, on my direct TV in Charlotte. So I had to, to stream the game on my, on my Yahoo app to watch because the NBC app froze. So I had a rough night trying to even find the game, but you're right. It is week 13 now. And we do have a, a bet boost for you guys. Fanduel.com slash minus three. We're going to do a parlay. We're going to have some fun. The Jets at home, plus eight and a half, and the Eagles on the road in Green Bay, plus eight and a half. 
It's plus 275 to get on that parlay. They boosted up from 243. FanDuel.com slash minus three. Wanted to include the Giants, but Daniel Jones right now, we don't know his status. Probably not playing. Going to travel anyways to, to Seattle. There's a lot of, unfortunately, in, in our our primary region we cover um, in the Northeast, there are a lot of, um, what's the way to say it? Uh, poo lines this week. Like just the lines are I just think, brutal. You know, I was talking to cousin Sal about that a couple of days ago too. And he's, he, he's like you, I feel like there are a lot of really great lines to jump on in the NFL this week. And, and Some, like, a, but not, not, I mean, are the ones in the Northeast, the ones that we, that we often focus on, um, you know, the Jets plus eight and a half, that's, that's, I mean, they've lost on games by average of 15 points. I just think the Raiders right now um, obviously aren't, aren't playing their best football. And then you look at the Eagles, obviously, like this is another must win for them. And the Packers, though, what gives me a little bit of hope here, the Packers have played down at times to opponents this year. And obviously if they play down enough in this game, and the Eagles got that late cover, right? So did Baltimore last night. It's a lot of points here. And I, I had really liked Washington on a short week for the Steelers on Monday night. By the way, why did why did your game go to Monday, but the Ravens play Tuesday? Because Roger Goodell likes John Harbaugh better than he that's likes. Clear, I don't know why. That's the conspiracy hey, so theory clearly, going. Clearly, um, I mean, I will say this: I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature, but I am a Steelers fan, and I so so take this with a grain of salt. But I really do feel like, legitimately, John Harbaugh. Somewhere, I mean, now a week ago plus, I really do feel like, wait, we got to play the Steelers in a game that we really, really kind of need to get here because we're tracking in the wrong direction. And now we have to play without Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, plus our two feature backs and uh, some other guys. We, uh, I got to do whatever I can to kick this one down the road. And he just about got the game pushed to week 18. It seemed like it was about as close as you could get there. Um, and I mean, so I, I do kind of feel like, but yeah, the the Steelers, I think the explanation is actually, is the Steelers have to play on Monday because then they would get jammed up again. If you played them on Tuesday, then you're talking about another very short week before their next game. So I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure exactly why that, why it does feel like it all, it, it's all broken about as well as it possibly could for the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. And they still obviously did not play well uh, in that game. I, I mean, everyone was hurt. And oh, look, they didn't have to cover. I mean, if you had, I got the Steelers early in the week. I had them at, at three and a half. So I, I was fine there. Um, but obviously going all the way out to 10, uh, 11, maybe 11 and a half, 10 and a half, somewhere around there, they got that late cover. But, you know, back to the discussion though, you know, Washington is only an eight point dog. In in I and I just if that was at ten I'd jump all over Washington but it's eight and you know Pittsburgh's defense I know Bud Dupree is lost it's a big loss for them but their defense is, is elite and Washington I think is going to struggle to move the ball but will will the Pittsburgh move the ball enough like there's just a lot of weird lines I think in our little region there's a lot of lines I like otherwise for example how in the world is New England a pick them against the Chargers I love that one with Anthony Lynn. Maybe the worst coach of any of situations I've ever seen against Bill Belichick, who is one of the best coaches ever in any of these situations. I don't understand how this game was a pick 'em. I get the Chargers are more talented, they're a better team, but they're not good in close games. Dave, this is incredible. This is like I love it. I th- that's specifically the one that I, I brought up to Sal. I said, What world are we living in? That the the the, the Patriots, and by the way, the Patriots opened 
giving a point, and now yeah. that it's at Pickham, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's moving all over the place. I'm I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm, I have it at the right at the right number here. Um, it's uh, New England's favored by one at the moment. But how about this? Ready? The Chargers um, are um, 15 and 25 in game cited by 10 points or fewer since Lynn took over. They're uh, four and 16. Their last 20 games decided by one score or less. Like, did you watch any of that game the other day? They, they ran a QB sneak with the offensive line pass protecting on the final play of the Buffalo game. Well, what's it like when, have you ever been on a team? I, you know, everybody feels bad saying it because Anthony Lynn comes across on um, Hard Knocks as such a likable guy. So everybody says, I feel bad saying, people don't feel bad saying that about Adam Gase, but they do feel bad saying it about Anthony Lynn. Either way, it does seem hard to retain Anthony Lynn. And when you start to feel like at the player level, like, I don't know if this guy's going to keep his gig, and I hope he doesn't maybe because he's not putting us in in yeah. the best possible situation to win. Doesn't that make it? Like, I mean, I feel like that's the aspect of now here in December as you're trying to pick games, that when the when the wheels come off, if you're on the Jets, that we're, we're giving you the Jets this weekend. We're going to ride with the Jets. And you're playing for personal pride and not pride. Even you're playing because as a professional, you're getting paid to do it. And if you put bad tape out there, it's going to impact negatively your chances of landing in a good spot in 2021 as a player. But still, how does that, how does that all, what does that amount to if you're on the chargers or jets or otherwise on a bum team going nowhere and you probably even the organization's kind of like, it's not the worst thing in the world if we lose some games the rest of the way here. Obviously, the coach and the players aren't yeah. going to lay down. But how, how does that how does that uh, spiral downward, or does it? Do you feel that week to week like Anthony Lynn's not a very good coach? We, we have no chance in this so, game. So I've only played on one team like that, and that was the uh, 2010 Carolina Panthers, who were two and fourteen. But the difference is John Fox told us about week six or seven that he had basically been let go, that this was last season in Carolina. Hmm. So there was no mistaking what was happening. And we kind of knew anyways, right? We were heading into that uncapped year in 2010 for the CBA negotiation 2011. Jerry Richardson, our owner, he cut everyone. Like, they, they cut everybody. Like, it was no surprise what we were trying to do. Um, and then we started out 0-5, and, and then we won our game six or something. And John Fox was like, look, guys, I remember distinctly. He got up on on in the team in the team meeting and said, "Look, guys, I'm going to be gone after the season." Or maybe he said he already got fired and just was playing out the season. I don't know what exact term he used, but I remember distinctly he said, "I'll be fine. You guys make sure that you have good film." Hmm. And like that, that is what it becomes, right? It's like if you're a Jets player right now, you you're and, and two, as a young player, you don't know this, but you realize this: you're not just playing for your new staff. You're playing for all the other teams in the NFL, right? Because they watch that film too and they grade you and they scout you. And so if you become a free agent, you have to have a good grade for them to want to pick you up, of course. It's the same way as young players in the preseason. And coaches say this to them, and especially special teams guys, like, look, guys, in the preseason, in game four, you're playing for us, but you're also playing for everyone else to see you. So make sure you put out good film. So when you're when you're struggling like that as a team, it does become very individual, you know, like like individual. individual oh, I can't say that word. Yeah, yeah. You, you do it for yourself, right? You're very you, you do, do it for your your individual. Like you do it for yourself, and it becomes tough, obviously, to then win, right? When everyone's kind of playing for themselves. But I thought in, in 2010 specifically, we had a really good offensive line room uh, with Jordan Gross and Ryan Khalil, Travell Warren, um, and 
we just did a good job of staying together as a unit. And we, we had a lot of fun. Now, we put our asses off. We just had a really bad quarterback. It, it's one of the most fascinating things ever, Dave. We were, we were, we had Steve Smith, right? But Steve might have been hurt at some points that year. D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, Jordan Gross, who made five Pro Bowls, I think. Ryan Cleal, who I think made five or six Pro Bowls offensive line. I wasn't half bad. Travell Warren was our left guard. He was um, he was a Pro Bowl alternate like seven years. He was a really good guard tackle. Um, we, we were good offense. We had Jimmy Clausen though, and we were we we averaged twelve points a game for the entire season. How many games did two start for that team? Um, so Matt Moore started the season. He got bent. He got benched for no apparent reason. Like after two games, they wanted to play Jimmy Clausen. Then Jimmy got. Hurt or bench, Matt came back in, Matt got hurt. And then we just kind of we had we we had Brian St. Pierre star for us, show up on Tuesday, play on Sunday <laughs> for us. Um and it was a glorious, it was um how to you know it's more swear from this game. So we're playing the Ravens that week, and this is the 2010 Ravens, good football team, right? Really good defense, right? Ray Lewis and and Haloti and all those guys they had Ed Reed. So um, we're playing the Ravens and you can tell when teams are playing hard or not against you. You can just kind of get a feeling the Ravens were not playing hard against us. So middle, I think it was middle third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. We're down 27 with third and 12. We call max protect all go. It's almost like the Broncos offense from Sunday, right? Like they it just was like block everyone up and hope the quarterback throws the ball deep. Our guy caught a touchdown, like a seven yard touchdown, score touchdown. Next drive. The Ravens are playing hard now. 2013. Like we, we got a three and out. It's like getting kind of close. So the next drive, uh, uh, St. Pierre overthrows someone. Ed Reed picks it off. He runs it 30 yards, so flips it to his buddy. They score a touchdown. So now it's like 27-13. The very next play, Ray Lewis has a pick six. So it went from 20-13 to 34-13 in two plays. And like they just they were like, we're not playing anymore. Ray Lewis literally ran the route for our tenant. I've never seen it before. He was like in his position. The ball was snapped. He ran directly to the spot, stood there, caught the ball and ran 20 yards for a touchdown the other direction. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but do the guys like the, 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 do they express empathy? Like, I'm sorry. What a, what a sad sack team you're on this year. Oh, also I'm no, fascinated. Like, you mean like, like players to eat? Like, yeah. Does the other side go like, man, come on, just take it easy. You guys aren't playing for anything anyway. Just let us have this win. Like, a, are there conversations no. down there on the field about like, there, there yeah, are you know, every, Every now and then there's a, like a funny conversation about like, um, about like, uh, guys want, I remember this distinctly, uh, one year, a guy wanted need one more sack for a bonus and was like trying to bribe one of our tackles to get him to, to let him get a sack and he'll get, he'll cut him in on the bonus. Um, maybe stuff like that, but not, not like that's we, the best. I love no, that. I mean, no one ever said like, I feel sorry for you guys. I mean, it God, that year was so <laughs> frustrating. And I remember. It, the only time I career, I threw a helmet on the field after a play. I was so angry. Oh, we were playing the Falcons. We were it's the last game of the year. We lost like 37 to 7. It was so pathetic. We scored the final play of the game, by the way, to get a touchdown. Final, it was so bad. Eddie Spaghetti, we really need we should so, get a low light reel of Jeff Schwartz in 2010. That would be it a was, funny. It was uh event. it was um and so Jeff King scored, by the way, our tight end did like a whole touchdown dance. We were all laughing because it was like so stupid. We were down 30 points with like eight seconds left. It's like a fourth and two, and Jimmy Claus. We call a quick pass, and Jimmy Clausen um, just didn't throw the ball. So I'm like, I I got on my guy, and I blocked him for about four seconds, and eventually he kind of escaped off me as Jimmy kind of rolled out of the pocket a little bit. He took Jimmy, he sacked him by grabbing him by the collar like this, and like throwing him backwards, like just like, 
I was so pissed because that was like the first sack allowed all year. So I said maybe second sack, and it was not my fault. It was fucking Jimmy's fault. I took my helmet off and just like just threw it. Like, just got threw it across the fucking the sidelines. Like I'm just so angry, so angry, man. It's like the end of the season. I was just tired of this, tired of it. It's so bad. Well, I mean, uh, you know, what chance did your team ever have? You had a quarterback named Jimmy. You know that that, that that's doomed to fail. The, it feels the, like the almost. last one of this. I know people are tired. tired of the story. We played. No, Pittsburgh. I love it because I because I love these stories because I really do. Nobody ever wants to play. We just played our turkey bowl. Me and uh, me and uh, my little friends. We uh, my my four kids and I went out and played a turkey bowl, and it was great fun. And I was reminded for the umpteenth time. Nobody ever wants to block. How is it in a lost <laughs> season, in a lost pro football season? Even if you're making seven figures or whatever, isn't it like? Isn't it miserable? Isn't it just? Uh, it, it's got. Is there any fun to it? There's, there's mean, no fun I, in yes, a pickup football I, game it, to be it, the blocker. So is it fun look, to be in a pro football game? I mean, it's our job. It's our mentality, right? Like we are a unit together, and so we want to succeed together. I'll give you the best example of this. You want an example? It's the same story I was going to tell a second ago. So week sixteen, I want to say we're playing Thursday night football in Pittsburgh. Okay, it's twenty ten Pittsburgh team, really good. Okay. Um, all the guys that, you know, all the Super Bowl championship defense, the entire crew, mm-hmm. they're all healthy too. I think the Steelers were 12 and two and we were two and 12 entering the game, or maybe they were 11 and two. And we were two and 11. It doesn't matter. So that defense was allowing 66 yards per game on the ground, which is fantastic. Right? So I remember that before the game, we're in the hotel in Pittsburgh and, uh, we were joking the only time in my career we've ever joked about how bad we were going to lose a game. Only time in my career we've ever done it. Like we're like, we're gonna get our ass kicked tomorrow. And it was not gonna be pretty. But our goal all week was to break 66 yards rushing. That was our goal. That was our offense. The offensive line, we want to rush for more than 66 yards. We didn't Jonathan Stewart was hurt. Daniel Williams, where we had a backup running back. I think Mike Goodson was playing that game. Um, and we got it. We got like 75 yards rushing. We had like 27 yards passing, but we, we like had like 103 yards on the whole entire game. It was the most miserable. Game ever. We lost 27 to three, Dave. And the three was a late fumble, like in the red zone. We went three and out, kicked the field goal. And we didn't even move the ball. <laughs> uh, the game is so bad, by the way, that ESPN.com does not have a box score for that game. It's been scrubbed <laughs> from the me- it's been scrubbed from the memory. I think, I think, I think Pro Football Reference has um has a, a box score from that game still. But um, yeah, Pro Football Reference does have a box score. Yeah, we lost uh 27 to three. Um, we had, oh, we had 119 yards on offense. We had 74 rushing yards. Uh, Jimmy Clausen was 10 for 23 for 72 yards. Just, just. When I talk about the, when I uh, talk about that in 2020, the NFL has achieved full QB saturation. Jimmy Clausen is a great example of how far the league has come at at, uh, at QB. The Jimmy Clausen was like, well. Hey, we got to take a shot on this kid. He could be our franchise oh, QB. They're just with Jimmy Clausen would not get a crack. Yeah, in we, we actually had, Oh, Jonathan Stewart was healthy that game. We had, um, we, uh, he had 18 carries for 71 yards. So we got, yeah, we got, Oh, look at big Ben, little, little spring, big bit 22 of 32 for two, two uh, for three twenty. Ooh. I mean, I, okay. This is, you know what? I'm glad you just said that. Cause this is a perfect place to jump in. I know you think, that every Steelers fan, I see you on social media, I see you in our text chains, that you think that Dave the Yinzer is representative, is the personification yes. of all Steelers fans, who thinks like, Dave, Ben Roethlisberger can be, can, can, is better than Patrick Mahomes. The, the, the issue 
The problem with you thinking that is that that doesn't really exist, not with me and not with the vast majority of Steelers fans. In fact, it's the opposite. I have never seen a phenomenon like this in uh, in pro football, at least. I've seen it in college football with some whack team that's uh, or you know some uh, or, or a non power five team being undefeated late in the season, be like, yeah, but they're really not that good. The Steelers are eleven and zero. And I'm not talking about the rest of the country. I'm talking about on the banks of the three rivers. You would think this team is 500 the way people talk about them. And Bud Dupree, so let's talk about that. Bud Dupree is a major loss going forward. Add that then with Devin Bush. The Steelers as a defense are predicated, as we know, with their 3-4, that you you need speed and rangy linebackers, and you need the the OLBs to be able to heat up the QB. Now they've lost Bud Dupree on the other side of TJ Watt. The silver lining I would attempt to provide for Steelers fans is, despite what everybody is saying out there, this this mid career transformation of Ben Roethlisberger is Michael Jordan esque. I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan, but this thing of like electric playing beyond the script or whatever, Michael Jordan attacking the rim early in his career. There was nothing you could do to to stop the athleticism. Same thing as Roethlisberger, extending plays, shrugging off would-be tacklers and making playground plays. He doesn't do that anymore. This is the equivalent of Jordan developing the mid-range turnaround jumper halfway through his career. Roethlisberger now gets rid of the ball quickly. But I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, there stands the possibility that he could, he's one of the very few human beings in our meaty middle class of QBs here in the age of full QB saturation. There still are only a very small number of quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and maybe Ben Roethlisberger, who don't just not lose you games or are efficient enough to keep you winning more than you're losing as a pro football team, but can actually be the reason you win pro football games. And I think that's the switch that needs to be flipped now for the Steelers is they're not going to dominate you on defense. But I think this this ongoing skepticism about Ben Roethlisberger's ability to carry the offense and make them a scary out for the Chiefs or anyone else, I think is super weird. I mean, they're 11-0. This thing about yeah. like they, if they went 11-16-0, which I don't think they're going to, but if they went 16-0, just blur your eyes. This is not Bob Greasy on the 72 Dolphins. This is a guy who is the number one reason why the Steelers are undefeated. No matter what you say about Roethlisberger at this point, that's the he is the number one reason that they're 11-0. If they wind up 16-0, what are we talking about? He's not the MVP. You saw them go 8-8 eight and eight last year with, with, uh, with a bum QB. If you plug him in and they go 16-0, he's the reason that that happened. How could you not – when did we decide to change the meaning of most valuable? Well, I mean, it's never been about the, – the, the award has never been actually value. It's been just best player at quarterback. I mean, like that's been – right. like, I mean, you in the NBA, the most valuable player every year is LeBron, right? If LeBron left, he left the Cavs and next year they won 22 games, right? They – the the value part of this is not actually what gets voted on. It's just basically best player, and, and the best player. You could argue Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL. No, I'm best player on best team is generally what it comes down. Sure, to. Sure, sure, but you know, so um, so yeah, I, I could see that 
Right. But Aaron Donald is maybe the best player overall in the NFL, considering that there's a the gap between him and the next defensive lineman is much larger than like Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson is. Um, he's definitely, I mean, he's going with TJ Wad, Miles Garrett, and anybody else who you want to throw out there right now. It certainly seems like Aaron Donald is a lock for defensive player of the year. But again, if you're talking value, um, if they, if you know, if they wind up, uh, you know, I, I yeah, guess the, they're going to go to the playoffs, the Rams. But the, it, it's hard to make a case that he's the most valuable player in the NFL yeah. in 2020. Here's, he is the best the, player. Here's the issue I have with the Steelers offense um, is and this is it's going to sound very like a uh, former player. And I don't really care, but um it doesn't, it just doesn't look easy, man. Like it looks really hard, Dave. Like everything you do looks so hard. Like there's never like a guy just wide open 15 yards down the field. It, it's always just like, okay, we're going to throw a go route and Claypool's going to just bring the ball down over someone or big Ben's going to buy some time. And we're going to find Ebron over the middle of the field. Like it's ever just like big Ben drops back and the guy's just wide the F open. It's like never the case for the Steelers. And they can't run it's the ball. It's because they don't run the ball. It's because they don't. It's because they can't I, I, run. I mean, correct? maybe. I mean, the Chiefs don't run the ball very well either. Like that's not. I, I don't think that's the reason why. I just think that there's just like. And so when I watch them play, yes, eventually in games they they end up scoring a bunch of points later in the, in the game. A lot of times, I, I I would imagine that for second half scoring, they're one of the best in the NFL, right? I, I guess on offense, I mean, they score a ton of points. It seems like in second half of games because their defense where's the shit out of the other offense? And they get their second in the NFL field position. Uh, sorry, field position. Like, they just, you know, they're 20th in yards per drive. Like, they don't really move the ball very well. It's just they get in, in good spots because their defense put... I, so, to me, it's just, it doesn't, it looks way too hard. Even even teams that have average quarterback, like 49ers, for example, use, use Jimmy G, our, our cousins, right, for example, they still find easy throws for them where guys are open and the screen game works well and dudes are just like wide the F open. And in the Pittsburgh offense, there's none of that right now. Why? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think they're they're in a lot of static formation. It's kind of been shotgun the whole time, right? They're not really doing any, much stuff under center anymore. There's not a lot of, of, of like... So a lot of times when you get these big shot plays, the quarterback has to move a little bit. Uh, big men just doesn't, can't move. Like, you don't trust him to to turn his back to the defense, fake a handoff and half roll, right? Like that's not what he does. He can't move anymore. So I think it's hard to just generate a lot of these big plays um, without any of that backfield action happening like the Chiefs do or the Niners do or the teams, you know, the Saints, like the teams I mentioned. Um, but even the Saints, the Saints don't take a lot of deep shots, but there's just dudes open. I, I, I don't study the pass game like that. That might be a question for someone else. Um, but just feels like a lot of their big plays are just – hard to come about i it, it's an interesting um blur your eyes kind of um keen observation you're absolutely right about what you say and um you know i i hear what you're uh, and i think the answer is what's different about um the steelers offense why are the chiefs able to they don't run the ball well and neither do the steelers so then why are tyree kill and company always seemingly so wide open. I think it is really Mahomes' ability to that weird, unorthodox thing of how he drifts in the pocket backwards yeah. and buys himself time, and he's got the whip to yeah. to um, to negate the the yards that he's losing when he takes that super deep 15-yard drop and 
uh, it gives the you know it gives them an f- extra half second to clear yeah, he, any he's defenders, not, he's right? Not, he's not, but he's not doing as much of that the last half of the season because he's he had problems against the Raiders way back when when they lost just of drifting out of the pocket. Um, I, look, I have not studied the Pittsburgh pass game. Like, I don't know if it's as explosive and the, by design as other. But I mean, they have a really good receiving core. Like, they should have much easier lanes to throw the football. They they pass protect an offensive line pretty well. Um, and I just, I'm just, I, I don't know what it is about that offense. Uh, maybe I'll study a little bit of it. We're just they're not getting guys open very often. It's a it's a interesting thought. Like I say. I think also, and just to wrap this up because we're, you know, still, what, six weeks away from, uh, seven weeks away from this thing that everybody has already ascribed into the scrolls as a, as a guarantee that the Steelers and Chiefs are going to play each other for a Super Bowl trip. Uh, well, plenty of way to go before all that. But the idea, I am not somebody, Schwartz, even though you keep coming at me as though I'm some Yinzer guy or that anybody, like I say, in Pittsburgh thinks that the Steelers are – are destined to vanquish the Chiefs, the Chiefs are definitely supposed to beat the Steelers. And by the way, I like that. They're, it's weird that they're an 11-0 underdog to anybody, but good. I don't <laughs> yeah. want anybody expecting the Steelers to beat the Chiefs. I want that pressure supposed to on Mahomes and company, and let's see them do it. But ultimately, um, you know, practically speaking, the Chiefs' defense is a bigger liability than the Steelers' offense. I think Mahomes... And the Chiefs' offense is better than the Steelers' defense is. Even the Steelers' defense on its best day. But I also think that, the, like I say, that the Chiefs' defense is worse than the Steelers' offense. That's why the Steelers have a puncher's chance in the game. The Steelers certainly could put 35 on that Chiefs' defense. No, you and you said that on the tweet yesterday, um, and I, I'm, I'm agree with you slightly. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is interesting. Uh, they played really well against Tampa. Uh, they obviously they, they've actually played well outside the two Raiders games for the most. I don't part. think it's a garbage defense. And, I'm, I, I think so, I, I'm just saying I don't think it's as the, dynamic yeah. and like it's some shutdown defense the, that the Pittsburgh passing game. No, 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 no. Couldn't they, hang like, a, a big no, point no, total no, on them. No, no, you're, you're right there. But I will say that they're, they're become so. But the, the Chiefs' pass defense is much better than the run defense, right? And the reason why that's important is the Chiefs are always ahead, right? So at the end of games, teams are trying to come back against the Chiefs. And so your pass defense is far more important, in my opinion, for the Chiefs than is your rushing defense. If, if you are the Steelers, for example, and you're, you know some of these games are a little bit closer, you, you have a good, a good rush defense. Like, it makes sense, right? So I am I, the Chiefs defense is built to be ahead in games. So if Pittsburgh can get ahead against Kansas City, then obviously it sets them up to be a little bit more failure. It'd be t- much tougher to do that. So... The thing that concerns me about the Chiefs' defense, and really the Chiefs in general this year, I tweeted this out Sunday. It's not something that's new. I've said it for a couple weeks now, I think, maybe not on this show, is that for whatever reason, they're not finishing games as well as they did last season. And the Panthers are an example, right? They're up nine with two minutes left. The game was, the, the win probability didn't change very much. They were winning that game. But they let them score, and then they, they you know, and then Sly had a 60-ish yard field goal. It wasn't close, but like, you know, it was like, oh, it's a little too close. They're up 17-0 against Tampa. The final score was 27-24. It's like it kind of left them in the game a little bit. And so this ability to not finish games, and I don't have a reason for that. I haven't gone back and watched it. That worries me more than anything you've said about the kind of matchup between the defense and offense and offensive defense. Like it's just whatever that is, whether it's their pass rush has not been as good, whether they're kind of late game, they can't run the football, that kind of hurts them a little bit. But the not finishing games with 
the problem with the not finishing game stuff, Dave, is when you get to the playoffs and you play the Titans who look good right now and the Steelers and these teams that are good, you can't do that. They will beat you. If you give them an opening, they'll beat you. And so I hope the last month of the season we see the Chiefs and they play the Dolphins in two weeks. So I'm kind of interested to see against that defense. But kind of just have to tighten up end of game and, and the drive to finish those games a little bit better. To bridge it from AFC playoff seedings to NFC playoff seedings, I feel like the biggest game on the schedule right now on both sides of things, and weirdly on the AFC side of things, it's when the Chiefs go down to New Orleans in a couple of weeks. Because the the, the Steelers, as 11-0, whether you think that's fraudulent or whatever. By the way, this, this application by PFF and otherwise – this thing of like that the the word that's applied to the Steelers is that they're overrated. Like they're undefeated. What they're, what does I mean, that mean? They're, overrated? They're, How, they're I don't understand should, what that even means. They're they're rated right where right where they should be. Okay, fine. The that game is huge because I find it hard to imagine that with five games left on the regular season slate with Washington and that uh, that pass rush starting to really starting to work there for Washington and. They have to go – the Steelers do have to play at Buffalo. They have to play the Colts. They have to play at the Browns. I don't think they run the table. I think they slip up at minimum once and probably twice. And yeah. I don't even know about three times. But um, assuming they don't go into that level of spiral. Um, I feel like they need the Chiefs practically to lose at least once more. Probably, and even yeah. if they lose that Saints game, there's very little relief provided by it because – you're getting into this thing. If the Steelers and Chiefs wind up with the same loss total, the the tiebreaker then becomes head-to-head, which is out the window. Uh, yeah. uh, conference record. As it happens, it'll land on the exact same number if the Steelers lose to anybody other than Washington. It'll be an AFC loss, so they'll be yeah. even in that one. Then it becomes common opponents. As it happens, I think it's the Baltimore. Bills that they share or but that they Baltimore. share a common – is it Baltimore? Well, no, there, there's more common opponent than that. I think there's four of them, but I think they're going to land both undefeated there, maybe. And then it starts to become strength of victory. Then it's insane. And then what the hell are we talking about? Strength of victory. The Steelers are going to have to play in wild card weekend because of this. This is all avoided. They may have to literally run the table to avoid having to play in wild card weekend. On the which other side crazy, of things. Which is like, can you believe that? Like, you're eleven and zero right now, and you're and you're like we might not get the number one seed. It's insane. It really is crazy. And the other side oh, of it, common is, opponent. So the Broncos are a common opponent. So are uh, the Ravens, and you'll have Buffalo. Buffalo, right? And that'll be the, the three, right? I th- and there's somebody else. But anyhow, um, yeah. And then on the other side of things, people now I feel like have embraced the Saints as the best team. Um, on the NFC side, and there's some noise for the Packers, but to me, I think everybody four weeks from now will be on Damashek's page of the Seahawks. At, in a, as it goes in any NFL season, there will be some attrition. You'll lose guys along the way. The Seahawks have somehow defied that and actually upgraded their defense thrice. They, they get Jamal Adams, and he sits down for a long stretch, so he's basically like a new piece the last couple of weeks. Carlos Dunlap and now Snacks Harrison. So this massive liability of like, ah, it's fun to watch the Seahawks, but are they really going to win two or three games to get to the Super Bowl with that bum defense? It's hard to imagine. Now the defense is adequate at minimum. I think they're the best team in the NFC. And I actually think 
forget the forget the Saints and Packers. I think if they got the, the out there on the field with the Chiefs, yeah. I think the Chiefs would smoke them. I don't think that's necessarily true with the Seahawks. I think what you need is a team that's just going to be yeah. able to shoot it out with them to a large degree. And I think the, I think Russell Wilson, as we know, for all the dumb rhetoric about he doesn't blink, he doesn't blink. And I think he would shoot it out with Patrick Mahomes for 60 minutes. The one concern I have about um, the Seahawks is they've kind of gone back into that conservative offensive mode. Like they, they just eh, like you watch them the Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals game. It's just it's not quite the same offense that it was uh, the first four or five weeks of the season. And so I do wonder if if that if Pete Carroll in kind of nut crunching time in the playoffs decides to go real conservative again. Um, you know the NFC is really interesting. I'm curious. Look the Taysom Hill thing. Whatever. It's not going to. I actually think the Saints might lose this weekend in Atlanta, but I, I just I can't put my money in the Falcons anymore. Um, the defense for the Saints is what has made them better, Dave. Their defense has right. been outstanding lately. And that if, that, if they continue to play like that when Breeze comes back, that's what gives them a chance to win the NFC. Because right now, Fair, the, Packers, yeah, right. the Packers defense cannot be trusted, right? It just absolutely cannot. The Seahawks defense, to your point, is getting better. But if, if I'm getting a, a game in the dome, New Orleans and Seattle, I like New Orleans to win that game. If that game's on the road and it's cold, rainy, wet, okay, I think Seattle's a better chance to win that game. But Seattle's defense still is a little bit better, but they haven't really haven't really played. They played Kyler Murray was kind of hurt, played Carson Wentz, and then down the stretch they played some bum. They played Colt McCoy this weekend. So we might look at the end of the season and be like, wow, the last six weeks of the season, the Seahawks have played well, and it's like Colt McCoy and injured Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz. It's not like this murderer's row of quarterbacks. And so I think we could maybe overvalue that defense as, as the season ends. We'll find out obviously when, when we get to the playoffs. I think that maybe this is uh, a little too simplistic, but just in the X and O matchup of it, if I had to pick some specific defenders to try and slow down an offense based around Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas running short routes, I like, um, the idea of Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. I feel like yes, those th- yes, those guys yes. are well suited, a- a- as well suited as anybody yeah, to stop. I agree. Uh, to stop and, those and, two pieces. And there were like like the Chiefs, for example, are not well suited to stop Alvin Kamara. That was a problem for them. If that if that ends up like if they obviously they play in a couple of weeks, but that's a rematch in the Super Bowl. That's a problem. They don't have the linebackers and like Dan Sorensen. I mean, you have to put Honey Badger essentially to shadow Kamara all game. Like, right. there's not like an option for the Chiefs really to to do that very well. And so, uh, look, the Chiefs' schedule is much di- more difficult than than you know than the Steelers, right? No, I never. Yeah, Colts and Bears. no. I mean, got that Saints game is yeah. no, the Steelers don't have an easy ride. But yeah, it's a, I, it just it, it's crazy that in this all-time crazy year, the inability to give credit to an 11-0 team and that the football gods or Roger Goodell or some combo apparently um, aren't going to smile on on them either because it it, it feels to me like almost inevitably that the Steelers are going to be playing in wildcard weekend with with maybe (laughs) one loss, which will be just insane. Anyhow, Eddie Spaghetti, how are you? We didn't say hello to you yet. How was uh, Thanksgiving for you? Thanksgiving was good. I am in a festive mood. It's nice sitting around like the apartment and stuff with the the Christmas tree up and the lights. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I'm concerned about the hamstring of one Daniel Jones. Uh, but once I, you know, that gets figured out, then I, you know, smooth sailing. Do you from think here. the best four and seven team of all time? Well, and by yes. the way, the Steelers are the worst I mean, they, eleven they got, and they got, team ever. Which which I tweet. Somebody literally tweeted at me, not making a joke. They said, uh, "No offense, but this is the worst 11 I'm like. 
What is the opposite of damning with faint praise? I mean, what? <laughs> they're eleven and zero. Anyhow, people are very excited about the, the Giants because because uh, they're they're not absolute hot garbage. But yeah, but even even if he was healthy, like this is a, probably a game you circled on the on the schedule in the preseason that they were going to lose regardless. So um, it's it's encouraging that some beat reporters today said that Jones's um, hamstring actually is getting he's getting positive news. But uh, and he's traveling with the team. He's still the captain, but I don't think he's going to play. And even if he did, it wouldn't really matter. The Seahawks are a, a much better team. It's a, it's okay to you know get the loss there. Right, we're going to give you a pick on that one. Up. And uh, Schwartz, I'm curious, and Spaghetti too. Over the weekend, uh, former New York Knickerbocker and uh, other uh, sports actually uh, played Washington too. Nate Robinson. I don't. I, I feel like this is the best evidence and a huge dent in this arrogant pro athlete jazz about like, you don't understand what it is to be a professional athlete till you get in the ring. Well, Jake Paul, the YouTube goon got in there with a pro athlete, and knocked him out cold. Doesn't this mean that I could get into an NFL huddle as the QB with a high end offensive line oh, and a, and a nice pass catcher. I just need one good pass catcher. And, um, and I could lead a point scoring drive. Can you possibly make a case that I would? If Jake Paul can knock out Nate Robinson, Dave. I can lead a point scoring drive against the worst defense in the NFL. Dave, did you watch the Broncos game against the Saints? The I did. Day? I did. Yeah. But Kendall that, Hinton likes that, to run the ball. Damashek's a pass. That's a former. That's a former quarterback who right. was put in the spotlight. So you basically like you right now on right. the couch getting going this weekend and going to play a football game on Sunday, right? Friday, today's Thursday. You even get extra day. Mm -hmm. The problem <laughs> is many fold, but one is that the velocity of your pass. You don't know. You don't see right out of the gate. You don't have any idea of the velocity of my pass. Uh, you have no idea what Damashek's got in, uh, attached to his left okay, arm. Let's just left say, shoulder. let's just, you know where I'm from. You know where I'm from. I'm from the land of Unitas and Namath, and Marino, and Kelly, and Montana, and now Damashek. And you're going to doubt me? It's, it's, it's a right of birth on the banks of the Three Rivers that I got a whip. Mine just so happens to be attached to my left shoulder, not I'm, my right. I'm, I'm from the land of Hugh Hefner. It doesn't mean I'm getting with a bunch of Playboy models all the time. So, like, I don't, that's a, that's not, I don't understand how that at all helps your, well, that, your case that's because of your that's because of your eating disorder. That's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Well, it was either a Hugh Hefner joke or a Ron Jeremy joke. I figured Hugh Hefner was probably more tasteful. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, uh, <laughs> but take out everything else about this. This the velocity of the ball. We saw that that poor poor Kendall Hinton, like he threw the ball the right spot, but the velocity, the, the stance defense was just there every time, right? The ball wasn't thrown hard enough to, for that tight, small NFL window. Um, and then Dave, I mean, if if you held the ball for more than a second and a half and you got hit, you would, you would die. I mean, this I is, I, this is, this is, oh, this is everybody's favorite. All the pro football players, Dave, Maurice Jones, Drew and Ike Taylor. Oh, 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 let me tell you, Shaq, they hit you when, when the, when the Shaq. snap, you wouldn't be able to stand the snap. You don't understand how violent it is at the snap. You, you would, you would get killed on the snap. Like what the, what the hell do you think's happening okay. out so, there? It's not cars okay. crashing. So what's, so what's pretty funny is that snap and I'd, I'd run some play action. That's what Damashek would do. You understand? It's not like I'm trying to carry the team on this. Dave, track. the problem with the play, play action, action thing is you play action, the play action and one thing time. Is that, 
let me just tell you, one, one time, then it'd be like, we're running the ball effectively, boys. Let's keep going here. Then once, then just once, I'd go under the huddle. I'd see, I'd see what I like from a defense, and then I would be what to, you, to so, my, so to my wide like, receiver. So, I'd be like, this is the one. This is so the one. curious. So I'm curious. Um, on a play action pass, what are you looking for to to run or pass? Do you know that? Like, would you be able to go in a game and figure it out? Yeah, I could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, smart ass. I could. I absolutely curious. could. I didn't say I could do it with a bum O line against a great defense. I said the opposite. If you give me a good, you give me the league's best O line and the worst defense, and Damashek is going to get you at minimum three points, maybe seven, maybe. Is this? But if you're just if you're just hitting the ball every play, that does not actually you're not doing anything. You well, I mean, already you said I'd get killed in the snap. And if and, you didn't, throw, I said if you didn't. No, I didn't say that. So if you if you didn't throw the ball on time, you would get killed. I mean, you know, I, I hear that and people say that stuff all the time, except I'm six Wait, so, feet tall. So, I'm so, 185 so you're, so you're pounds. Me, so you're telling me, I'd, be, I'd be dead. So you're telling me that if if it was third and five, okay, mm-hmm. and a defense rushed three and dropped eight in the coverage, you would find the tight NFL window to throw the ball and you would throw with such velocity that the defender would not get in the way of the said ball You'd also be able to read the coverage because maybe it's it's drop eight with two deep or three deep. Maybe it's five underneath. Maybe it's a quarters look. You'd be able to read all that and find the yeah. right guy and get a first down. Football's a simple game, Jeff. Um, and what I would do is uh, I'm I'm a passer. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a, a runner. I'm not a hybrid guy. I'm not in there. I'm 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 a I prefer to make the plays from the pocket because that's how you make your money over the long term. But I do, I, I will tell you, you turn your back oh, on me so and I, you turn your back on me, I'll Russell Wilson you. I'll, I'll make you pay. You, you, you leave me third nine, you, you forget about uh, my legs. I'll remind you of them real quick, real quick. Eddie Spaghetti, your thoughts. I mean, Dave, I, I have seen you throw and I've said on this, on this very podcast, you, you have yeah. a good arm. That, you, you you said your size, you know, six foot, one hundred eighty five pounds. I mean, Kendall Hinton is six foot, like you know, two hundred pounds. Let's just say, but he has the speed. I don't think, and at least he knew how to be mobile. I mean, I'm way bigger than you, and I have played the sport. But you know what, Jeff and people who play in the NFL are way bigger than me, and I first would not all, feel any confidence. First of all, all I'm bigger than Drew Brees, and I'm about Drew Brees, and about as fast as Drew Brees, and I have about as strong an arm as Drew Brees at this point. Um, but now maybe, it, it's yeah. a big talk from you, Spaghetti, because the other day you were telling me that you think that like Jake Paul did to Nate Robinson, you might be able to knock out Jeff Schwartz. Is that true now? You didn't? Oh, now, now, I now he didn't that. say No. And, 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 and to go back to, and to go, to go back, first of all, we never fight Jeff, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. And second, and quickly with that Jake Paul, Nate Robinson fight too, it just shows you that a little bit of training, like boxing training could put one person way ahead of the other. Like Nate Robinson just thought I played in the NBA. I could beat this kid up. But when you have training like that, you know what to do. That Obviously that's what happens. And I have zero training could in any boxing. Non-professional so athlete knock you out in a fight. Yeah. My radio partner in PAC 12 is an MMA fighter. We talk about this all the time. Well, he's a professional athlete then, if he's an MMA guy. Right? I don't know if he would consider himself an athlete, but um, he definitely went. He was definitely was professional. Um, you mean just like if average Joe tried to fight me? I'm. T- I mean, I don't know. It's like I sexiest would, I, man alive. I guess he'd have to be famous. We'd have to know who he it'd be, is. It but would be tough. It'd probably be tough to do that. But I, I, 
I don't know. I, I guess it's possible. I don't know. That one guy in a bar somewhere knocked out Dallas Goddard. But Dallas Goddard wasn't in a fight. He just punched him. <laughs> There's a difference. Like, could someone cheap shot me and knock me out? I would imagine yes. But if we're like actually squaring up to fight, could a like what does a non-athlete mean? Like just some like Joe who played high school football and is it like a the docs now? Like what is a non-athlete? I don't know. I just found it fascinating that that there I mean, exists I mean, in reality. You're not an athlete. Can you beat me up? No, of course not. Okay. No, you you outweigh me by 287 pounds. I, so same mean, with same with same with all everyone else that I would fight against. Um. All right. That's why I just thought that 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 opened a window that and, and exposed a reality that you and your okay. fellow professional okay. athletes you're, are you're, awfully you're uncomfortable not, with uh, now that. Some no, schnook on YouTube can knock out an athlete. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Okay, here's what we're going to do. When COVID's over, which is okay. hopefully this spring, I'm going to fly to LA. I got to visit my okay. parents at some point. I'm going to I'm going to set up I'm going to call over at UCLA. Okay. I'm call Chip, I'm going to call Chip. And I'm going to set up on time. And a bunch of pro athletes by the way train at UCLA too. So maybe I'll find a way to sneak into one of their workouts. Good. And Dave, I'll bring you along Dave and you can right. go try to throw a 7 on 7. You can you can be the quarterback. We'll take Tom Brady out of the pro workout, or, or we'll take the the Bruin quarterback out of the workout, and you can enter the enter the workout, and we'll see how you do. Good, we'll do that, and then after that, to celebrate, I'm going to knock you out. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the pick at some games here. Come on. All right, let's pick uh, some games. We can't, we can't do this anymore. I just I can't right. I can't do this conversation. It's All done. Right. One last question for you because it came oh, up geez. on extra points the other day. I, people acting like it's a hot take by me. I love burritos and I love eggs, but I don't like eggs in my burrito. I don't love, I think breakfast burritos as a general rule are overrated. How say you? Ooh. Um, I mean, I, I don't need to have a breakfast burrito. It's not the worst thing in the world, but I don't go out of the way to really have one. But every now and then though, there's a place in, in Charlotte that makes these breakfast burritos that are bomb though. So like, it's not, it's not, I don't have as harsh take as you do. How about this though? Every morning on the way to high school, I'd stop at those food service trucks. They had like three of them lined the street to my high school. I'd drive along PCH up to Palisades High School, and I'd stop at the food service truck. For like $2 in the morning, you could get a burrito or a sandwich with bacon, sausage, hash browns, cheese, and eggs for like 2 bucks. Holy hell. Every morning, I'd stop there, get a giant burrito or giant sandwich, and just it had like mayonnaise on it, but it was like probably eight thousand calories. But you know, I'm playing three sports. I'm a young kid, whatever, dude. Out of this world. It's I, I. You know what? I think you just said it right. Maybe it came out a little bit harsh. I'm not denouncing them, but I, there are very few good breakfast places that I go to, and I and I look at the menu and say, "Gotta have the breakfast burrito." I think I there think are better are, options. I think salsas. Are, I think with the eggs and the burrito, the salsas a must sometimes for those too. Like a good salsa. On a, on a burrito in the morning, it's good. Um, spaghetti, you agree? I think you like breakfast. I, you know what I like? I like a scramble. I go scramble, egg-based breakfasts. I'm going to go a scramble, then an omelet, then a breakfast burrito. That's how I'm going to lay it out for you there. And, I, and eggs benedict, completely overrated. Holiday sauce is gross. I don't like – not gross. I just think that – talk about overrated. A hollandaise sauce. 
I, I love me some uh, eggs Benedict. I love hollandaise sauce. I, I like a good breakfast burrito as well. My issue with breakfast burritos or anything that's heavy, because I, I eat the same thing for breakfast every single day. I just eat a cup of egg whites. Um, if I eat anything heavy, it's just like it's a day ruiner. You got to go back to bed. So it's I, I have to like map out the day that I want to have a good breakfast. Burrito. There's actually a really good one over here at Kofax. They make an awesome one with like a spicy chorizo um, and some other you know barbecue smoked meats. And they're amazing. But like I said, you're eating that. You're probably not eating again until you know 10 o'clock at night. You know what? I I uh, I blew a call into our pal Ross Tucker to have some food-based conversation. We may talk to him next week about uh, these important matters in front of Army and Navy game, my, my favorite uh, rivalry game in college football. Let's do some college football real quick, and then we'll do some NFL picks for you too. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish now kissed into the ACC title game. They're playing Syracuse, the Orange, the former Orange men, now just Orange. Uh, the Irish giving 33 and a half Schwartz. I'll say you 33 and a half. 33 and a half. Uh, I, Oh geez. Explain this to me, Schwartz. Can they fall out of the ACC title game? They can't, no, there's well, nothing no, they can no. do. Right. If, I think if they lose this game, it just takes their playoff chances away. Right. I, I mean, unless they beat Clemson again, I think, I think the assumption is that Clemson will beat them with Trevor Lawrence. So they can get in the playoff with a loss in that game, specifically a close loss in that game. Notre Dame is in and Clemson is both is both in. But if they lose to Syracuse, then they're they're not in, right? Because you assume they're losing to Clemson too. So I think this game's I don't think the 33 and a half feels like a lot of points, especially because is the Clemson game next weekend or the weekend after? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't see what Notre Dame's it's, it's, it's December motivation 19th. is. I believe for it's, this de- game. it's December 19th, I believe. It's the Clemson rematch. So I would say that I would Probably take Q's here, but I'm not putting my money on Syracuse. I mean, I'm not making a, I'm, I'm not cracking wise too much here when I say this. Who's left to even play in that Final Four at this point? I think Notre Dame, if Trevor Lawrence and Clemson beats Notre Dame by double digits, I, I, I mean, I don't feel like there's any justification to throw the Irish into the Final Four, except that I don't know who's viable otherwise. Spaghetti. That's I know that upset you. you, you they beat them at home you. with their backup QB in overtime. You, you, the is, is, was, Lawrence, was Lawrence going to throw for 700 yards and 10 touchdowns? What else could he would have done that versus DJ? I mean, they held – Clemson hasn't had a rushing performance that bad in a decade. They held Travis Etienne to nothing. They they just did the same thing. Mac Brown even just said how great Notre Dame was. That Sam Howell, who's a really good quarterback, was like that's the nastiest front yeah, seven the, ever the seen. Defense, their defense is really good. You you I really know, hate the, the teams that I like. I'm telling you, Notre Dame was really really good. Their offensive line I'm is leagues. Saying, their offensive line is leagues ahead of any other offensive line the in the thing. country. They're rated but wise. Like they're they're you, very good. As you know, spaghetti. If you lose what is essentially a playoff game, is a, a conference title game. I'm, I'm speculating, but if Clemson beats Notre Dame by 10 points, to then turn around and be – that is a playoff game. You've lost right. it. It's it's they had one, one slip-up versus a real, another really good team, another top-four team. How many times have we seen SEC teams beat up on each other and still make it into the and, – and, you know, late in the season, the playoff rounds? It doesn't matter. Who, they I'm lose just saying when the, Seahawks, when the Seahawks and Niners or when the Cowboys and Niners would play back in the early 90s, you knew that the, bet, the, the two best teams in – pro football were playing each other there it wasn't the championship round but that's the way the playoffs broke all right and so it and so it was preceded by that game that's the way the cookie crumbles if you don't if you're not the best team in your conference how can you be in the national title game in the in the national I mean, championship final four it doesn't make any sense there's first of all they joined 
they joined the conference to save the season for the ACC in the first place. So they normally they wouldn't even be in, they wouldn't even have this game. They would just be in the Final Four because they would have played their schedule. Uh, and if they lose this game, they and they play Clemson again for a third match. Let's just say in the Final Four, and they beat them. Then who cares about the second? Well, the second the the second game. Like I, there's no way you could argue in terms of eligible teams that Notre Dame was in the top four. You saying yeah. they shouldn't belong is just ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's a bad. Game. If they lose, it does not matter head to head against Clemson in their conference title game. They have just vacated their claim that's to so, being that's so wrong to being ahead of their uh, of their immediate competition. They've lost. They would have lost within that conference structure. They would have lost the final game of that conference's playoff system. I don't understand then how you advance. To, I, and this doesn't have to do with Notre Dame. It has to do with Alabama was, and LSU. If there was crazy. If there was, if there was better. If, the, if, no, if Miami went undefeated, let's just say that Miami would, could have been in the ACC title game and, the, and Notre Dame could have played Miami and whooped them, and then no, and Clemson wouldn't even have had a shot. So, like, it, they, they, just, they already lost Clemson, and they almost blew it to BC as well. So, it's like, I don't get what the point is of them losing this, this title game. It's a, one, it's a one-year conference, like, entry, and they're gone next year. They're it's kind of because, it, because it's akin to when the Chiefs and D Ford – Lined up offside. NFL. I'm talking about this year in college football. Notre Dame. But is it is comparable. It is comparable that we've now entered this spot of having conference championship games and everything else. It's the same as if the Chiefs lose that game in overtime to the Patriots two years ago, and, and coming away from it and saying, "Yeah, but the Chiefs. I mean, they're come on. We know that they're. We know that they're better. They let's send them to the Super Bowl. Let let's send them in the Patriots and let that be the Super Bowl because that's right there. We know that they're that, that they're at least as good as the Patriots. It wouldn't be just to keep them out. That's the way the playoff broke. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? I don't, uh, if they lose, so, go ahead, Schwartz. Side note. I'm going to break this conversation up because this is getting silly. I agree. Colin Coward, ready? Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you need to grow up. It's not a Super Bowl team. Go cry in your terrible towels. You're 11-0 and it feels hollow. I don't know what that – it's a weird – it's – not funny because it's not true. I mean, it's like when like, everyone hates Steelers you guys, fans dude. are like, everyone, we're the best everyone, in the world. Everyone, everyone hates you guys because you guys are just so you just, just so out on Twitter, just going crazy, man. Nah, See, it's not just me. It's, every, it's everyone. But I'm waiting, for jo- I'm waiting for Joey Molinari to answer him, though, which is going to be really worth the whole thing. Popular brands like the Steelers brand, people figured out, Cowherd on down, figured, realized that if you – if you throw out the right bait, you'll get some bites, and that's what oh, a lot I'm, of people I are get the, I get the game, buddy. Don't worry. I get the game. Can we get to some picks now? Let's do it. I don't know why you can't weigh in on this college football jive. No, your game right. is good. They should deserve a playoff spot. That's right. the end of the story. And beat yeah. Clemson, and they're into the Final Four. I just don't oh, know who's going to be left God. after all Start right. watching the games, and then you could then you could talk no about that. Really what are you You're talking about? I, I've, watched, I've watched – oh, I, don't, I, I guess I missed one Notre Dame game, but I've watched them – Play, play. I, it's, that's not the debate. You're missing the point of the debate. It's not that they're not one of the four best teams. It's that if they play another one of the four best teams and they lose, that is essentially a playoff game and they're out of it. That's why the they've been eliminated by the structure of the playoffs. The conference title games are stupid because Clemson already has a loss to Notre Dame and Notre Dame's going in there undefeated. So I could easily just say if the conference was better as a whole, Clemson wouldn't even been in there. And they're also joining a conference in a, in a weird year, a pandemic year. They save the conference. They're an independent team. I mean, <laughs> dude, give, I like give when Slagata gets mad. Oh, about he, I, it's just every, week in, week out. And, Giants and, and Notre Dame stings. I'm going to slam the Steelers from and, here on out. Look, Notre Dame sucks. <laughs> look, Notre Dame sucks. The, giant, the, 
The Giants suck. It's just a bad <laughs> time. It's a ridiculous thing. I think the, Notre Dame's great. I'm, the, I'm, I'm the, just look, giving you look, some high-end com, com, comparisons the, to that. I just compared them to the Chiefs of two years I, look, ago. I the Knicks are bad. The Rangers are bad. It's all it's all bad, okay? Thank you, the, the, the Yankees, like, no chance to win a, cha- a title. It's just, it, it just it's bad to be any spaghetti right He's now. He's right. He's right. Thanks, Jeff. I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand what you don't understand about my my very valid point. But anyhow, all right, let's get to the games now. We've heard the uh, the Jets. Give that one real quick at the top here. Uh, yeah. So our bet boost is Jets plus eight and a half, uh, Philly plus eight and a half. Parlay them together plus two seventy five. Uh, we got some some dogs, some live dogs here. Live dogs. I think it's fun, and it's halfway in the Christmas spirit because it's all green. We're going all green at Green Bay. We'll figure out how to work some red in next week. Uh, The Cleveland Browns, the Tennessee Titans. You mentioned this one, Schwartz. You're, uh, speaking of a roller coaster, Titans fans always accuse you of hating them. I've gotten some of that hate, too, or at least I did in the offseason. The Titans giving six points to the Browns, tracking pretty strongly now to – being a team that's going to be playing at least in wild card weekend total on this one, 52 and a half. I'll say you Schwartz. So I really like the Titans in this game for, for many reasons. Ah. Um, one is that to so the Browns um, pro football, uh, not pro football focus, football outsiders, who does DVOA, who we like a lot, right? Um, they have the, the Browns is the worst eight and three team they've ever charted. Um <laughs> According to to more research, the Browns twenty one negative uh, twenty one point differential is the worst by any eight and three team or better in their first eleven games of NFL history, and that's with the 29th easiest schedule in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans are a good football team, folks. They're pl- they're starting to kind of get in that rhythm that they had last season. Um, I think Tennessee dominates this game uh, partly too because look, their third down defense is not that good, but Baker Mayfield's not good either. So like, it just feels like. This is a game where the Titans, they're used to having to defend the run in practice. Here come the Browns wanting to run the football. I think the Titans win this game by 10 to 14 points. Uh, I think they cover as well, obviously. I am going to go against you on this one and take the Browns. And the the real liability that they have this week in particular, and actually it's been going pretty much all season long, is – Injuries on the back end with a potential, I mean, young at least and high pedigree secondary for the Browns, but banged up. You would think A.J. Brown and company should uh, have, a, have a nice day there. I think that, like you say, that the Titans' third down defense is their undoing, and people talk a lot. Pro football players talk a lot. The season doesn't really start. You don't really know who's good until after Thanksgiving. I don't know why exactly that's true but I buy it and it does seem to be true if you pay attention year in and year out. I think that the Titans are a good team. I don't think that they're a team that is a threat to go to the Super Bowl or anything like that. I think the Browns are fine. I think they're going to continue to bang away. They've certainly identified the strength of their offense and uh, it's those two running backs behind Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to ride those guys. I think that they're going to further expose the Titans weakness, which is, their defense overall, and uh, specifically Baker Mayfield to make a couple of plays on third down when he needs to. I'm going to take the Browns plus uh, plus the six, Spaghetti. I like the Titans in this one. I 
think I called my shot last week, said this is when the Titans turn on and that Derrick Henry will have a big game. Um, so I trust them and their staff here. I think they're probably the second best team they have seen Whoa. by the Chiefs. Um, they don't I, have a defense. I, I, uh, I I still I just I just something about them that I just trust. I don't trust the Browns out. If if Chubb and I guess um, and Hunt don't go for you know 200 total yards, I don't see the the path for the Browns being a, a contender late in the season. Well, you talk about running backs and bell cow, and as a reminder that I often give, if you don't know what an actual bell cow is or does at the farm, you should stop using the phrase "this guy's a bell cow." Now, Derrick Henry, I guess, is the quintessential bell cow. For his pro football team, I always point to some history to see whether or not Derrick Henry's workload is not sustainable no, it's by not. history. And I don't understand that this. So the premise is for another six weeks or so here is, well, that that's going to he's going to have to defy history. His workload a year ago should <laughs> equal him going downhill. I know he generally accelerates at this time of the year. But I, I'm waiting to see. I start, I'm sorry to be a cynic about a nice guy in Derrick Henry, but I expect if they're, if they're trying to build the whole offense ongoing around Derrick Henry getting 25, 30 touches, I think they're going to see diminishing returns. But not this weekend. This. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe not. Well, I'm taking the Browns, so so uh, so there you go on that one. I want to quickly just to give me a quick thought on this one just because it's uh, two teams going in the wrong direction. And it's kind of like we talked about what are they playing for beyond individual pride, but the bears are still kind of theoretically a playoff team bears given three at home um, to the lions. How say you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, know you guys, I know you guys, I know everyone who listens to this works very hard for their money. And I would hate for you to lose your money betting on either the bears quarterback situation or the lions entire team. So I would just stay away from this game. Fair. We're just going to dodge that one. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I I agree. Let's not indulge that game. It's too weird and wonky to uh, throw anything at. The Colts, though, giving three and a half to the Texans, who are playing well now, um, but no Will Fuller. Texans plus three and a half. How say you, Schwartz? You know, I would like for an athlete one time to be like, you know what, guys? Yeah, I use HGH. It was great. I was hurt. I wanted to use it. It worked. I got caught. I'm sorry, but it was great. This whole thing about like, I went to the doctor and he gave me medicine. I didn't, I didn't know. I've been to many doctors. They don't give you medicine that you test positive for. Okay? It's not like a thing that happens. Plus your job is to know whether or not you can take that supplement. You were taking something good for you. It's the healthiest you've been your entire career. Shit works. I wish I would take an HGH, but I didn't do it. Okay. Like, I, I just say, just be like, yeah, I got caught. Oopsie. No one cares, really. Don't, your, your your legacy is not tainted whatsoever by testing positive about steroids. We've, I mean, outside of Barry Bonds, nobody seems to give a shit about steroids. Um, but anyways, the Colts the Colts win this game handily, I think. They avenge. And I want to say, it's it's Thursday when we're recording this. I would wait till we find out whether or not their, their defenders are back, DeForest Buckner and Autry and Ryan Kelly, their center, before going all in on this pick because I feel like that was a big loss from last weekend. But I think the Colts still win and cover this game. I agree. I mean, at some point, like we say, the attrition has to, um, you know, it, it, it has to result in poor play. I don't know how you get games like you get the Ravens showing up and almost winning a game when when they have um, the deficit of players that, that that they had there. I don't know what goes into how you can hang with a with a with a. That was more. Team. I think that was more in the Steelers just not playing well. 
I know, but the, it's funny that pro football players that you talk about, this is their profession and everything else, can't figure out mentally or uh, emotionally or otherwise, like, yes, we should whip this team. So, okay, let's whip this team. Well, how you still take the I mean, foot off the grass and I mean, don't – But, 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 it's, uh, but it's, human, it's human nature, right? Like, I if guess. You, if, if, a, like, like, like if you do something and you know you could do it at 75% and get the same end result – most people do it 75%. I guess. I guess it's the once a week nature of it. But the Colts should whip them. And I the the absences from, from the line of scrimmage on either side potentially are big. But ultimately, is Deshaun Watson going to beat you with Jordan Akins and Randall Cobb? That seems like a, a ridiculous premise to me. Um, and, but the Texans are playing well. But the Colts, I mean, now we're in December. It's time for them to, to show up if they're going to be what I expect them to be. I'm starting to... Lose my faith in in them though. Now you say the Falcons plus three. You might ride with the Falcons here down in uh, yeah, down man. in Hotlanta. So here's here's why. Since Raheem Morris took over the defense, they're allowing twelve less points a game, and they're sixth overall in efficiency. They've done a really good job on defense. The problem is uh, offensively they haven't been as good lately. But here's why I like this the Falcons. And I, again, I would never tell you to put your money in Atlanta because they just rip your heart out all the time. They're the worst team to bet on. I hate it. Um, but Seeing Taysom Hill now for the second time in three weeks is a huge plus for this defense. The first time you face him, you don't really know what's happening. The second time, you know they're not going to throw the football, right? They're not going to throw the football. So you can stop the run game knowing that. Plus, on the flip side, Matt Ryan was harassed in that game, like eight sacks. And I think that the offense will just be more prideful and be better at home in this game. I like I like Atlanta. To, I think Atlanta might, might get one and might sneak one in here and, and beat them. Spaghetti, your thoughts. I, I think actually Jeff convinced me I'm going to go with that right now. The lines at what, two and a half with the Falcons. Get, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm with that. I don't, I don't buy the, the whole, the Taysom Hill experiment, but uh, it'll, it'll, it'll end the fairy tale end soon enough um, despite how good the saints as a team are. But I also just trust the Falcons offense enough with Matt Ryan and uh, you know, with the, the weapons they have, like I guess it's counterintuitive or, or, or counter to what happens when you're in the casino at the 21 table that you, you just keep riding as long as you keep winning. And, and um, if, if you've uh, lost six straight hands, that's not the time to say, well, it's got to turn around at some point. But in football, the Saints aren't just going to forever just win game. I mean, they're going to lose somewhere along the way here. It feels like the Falcons are – it's transitioned from this is a lost season to now like, hey, we found our new head coach. He was in the building the whole time and we're playing well and this feels good. I feel like to keep that good, those good tidings going here, the Falcons show up against uh, their, uh, their division foe here. And I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that the Falcons do win this game straight up. Um, all right, let's do a couple more here. And you know what? I don't see the, uh, the Washington and Pittsburgh game on the it's board not, it's here. Not, it's, not, it's not up yet. It's not up, but it really a lot of boys. It's still not up yet. eh? No. okay. Well, we'll skip that game. Um, I, I, it's on FanDuel right now. I oh, see it on the site, oh, okay. the site, the Steelers are, the Steelers oh, are laying eight. Yeah. Yeah. I you said eight before I saw, I thought, yeah, I saw the number higher initially. I thought I did at least maybe I'm crazy. Um, you're going to take Pittsburgh minus eight no. at this point, shorts. No, Washington. Oh, you are going to take Washington. Yeah. yeah I, I like them too. call me a pessimist about this, but that pass rush and, um, five days rest and the Redskins haven't played a game and, 
a week and a half and all of that. I do think, though, that the Steelers find a way to win that one. I think they can survive that game. Um, you're picking a straight-up uh, Washington win, Spaghetti. Washington's going to dominate them. Terry McLaurin's going to, you know, er- er- catch every ball. Antonio Gibson's going to run right through them. What there's, a spiteful, there's no, there's what no a way, spiteful creep from there's no way they're gonna stop. There's no way they're going to stop Chase Young. He's going to be, he's be in the backfield <laughs> the whole entire game. It's going to be a really long day for the Steelers. I'm sorry, black and gold. So. Compare Spaghetti is mad about me <laughs> diminishing his Irish. They didn't even lose the game to Clemson yet. I'm not, not, not mad at all. I'm not mad. I'm not I'm mad at all. I just think it's an awful matchup. You know, I really believe in Washington. Um. All right. Let I. Nah. So and then we have the Giants and the Seahawks. We don't know about Daniel Jones. We do know that the Seahawks feel like they're kind of turning it on. That's how I see it. Let's be optimistic and say it is Daniel Jones. Um, they're plus ten. You, your uh, your intel spaghetti is that you think he's not going to. He's, gonna he's uh, reading right now as we're recording. Ralph Acchiano says that he is back at practice for the Giants, which is a really good sign. Doesn't mean he's going to play, but it's a really really good sign. Um, you know, Judge has said this week that it was up to Jones. He would just you know duct tape his hamstring and he'd go out there, which is which is uh, great. But I don't know how effective he'll be. He tried to make some passes in that Cincinnati game. He just couldn't press off his leg. Uh, regardless of of Jones playing, I just think. You know, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun game uh, if Bradbury can match up with either Lockett or or Metcalf, and if he can slow one of them down. But you know, Russ is just going to be mobile. He's going to, the Giants will have a great pass rush uh, with mobile quarterbacks. They find a way to you know squirm through. I think they'll just score enough points, and like with a banged up Jones, or if it is Colt McCoy, the Giants won't put up enough points despite how good uh, Gallman's playing lately. So it's going to it's just going to be a tough one. Um, I'm I'm okay with this loss. The Seahawks are are, are a better team. It, it's all right. It's a funny short. It's a funny position. All of a sudden, as we run out of games in the NFC East, that the strategy kind of feels like the Spaghetti's point. Like the Seahawks in Seattle should be able to beat them. And then do you make the, Do you do the math of like the short term of throwing Daniel Jones and risking him getting hurt and out for the next two to yeah. four weeks isn't worth it against the game we're probably going to lose anyway? Um, when Washington is in Pittsburgh and the yeah. math kind of indicates that the Steelers should win that game. So we're not losing any ground to the division front yeah. runner. Right. Is that, does that wanna, make if sense? You, if you want to have a fun little parlay this weekend, um, and, and I, I was going to hope we do this for the boost, but I know we can't do sometimes do parlays uh, for the boost or in the week. Uh, do you do an NFC East, uh, NFC least uh, parlay? Um, you fade, you go Packers against the Eagles. You take the Packers money line, Steelers money line, Seahawks money line and Baltimore money line. Put mm. them all together. You have a little NFC East least parlay. Because uh, I think the Giants look at that and say, hey, man, everyone else is probably going to lose. I mean, obviously, the Ravens situation depends on Lamar coming back or not. And the, the way that the game is priced at right now as Baltimore, um, I saw it's not on FanDuel right now. I, I, I guess not. I saw yesterday the Supercons had it, had it at nine. So that, that favors Lamar coming back, right? Raymond's by nine. So um, I think all of them lose. Boy, that's an interesting one. And uh, let's uh, pick New York's other team here. The Bills going to San Francisco and people getting excited now about the Niners and Kyle Shanahan and what a wizard he is and everything else. Uh, Good coaching job once again, though, in Buffalo. It seems like the in-game decision-making has been strong for McDermott and company. There's a lot of compliments being thrown in Buffalo's direction there. 
Do you think they go across the country and vanquish the Niners? Um, they're given a point and a half. This one's tough, man. Um, I agree. Know, a lot of it is we're looking at the Niners game being the Rams, right? Like, what would this line have been had um, the Niners lost that game, right? It'd be over a field goal probably, right? Buffalo would be favored by a field goal. I don't have a great feel of this game. I covered this last night on my, my Jeff Schwartz Smart New podcast, and I was like, I, I just – I have no idea. Well, it'll be a nice uniform matchup. That that much we do now. It will, yes. Um, I, that's, boy, that is really a tough game because I love the Bills. I really have liked them all season long. They, I feel like they've kind of survived their little swoon here. The Niners trying to make a playoff push here. Are the Bills for real? Are they going to assert themselves as the clear-cut best team in their division and get themselves into the best possible seating? They have a chance to you know they, they should finish as the as the third seed right they should uh wind up yeah. with the uh am i right about that uh in the afc third yes yeah they should certainly wind up with the third seed as long as uh they don't uh, get off the rails there we'll see if they yeah. can fix their defense in time for for the playoffs um i i guess i'll take the bill spaghetti yeah i like I think I like the Bills in this one as well, but I'm just thinking about this this 49ers team. It's like there probably is no better GM slash coach combo in the whole NFL to do what this team is doing with this roster. I mean, like who, what, what team even comes close to like the amount of like the adversity they had with the the stable running backs all getting injured, obviously quarterback to Kittle, the defensive line. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable what how they even are considered to win this. Game. I, I agree, but I also think it's diminishing returns. I don't think Nick Mullins is a gigantic drop off from Jimmy G. Yeah. The problem is is that Jimmy G is uh, pedestrian himself. At some point, that becomes a factor. You can yeah. have a special season or a special season and a half, but at some point, middle-class QBs are, are a road to nowhere. If you don't get through the window in that one special season when everything seems to be going right, I feel like the Niners, as constituted, are not going to win another. If Jimmy G is their answer at QB, then the answer is wrong, and they're going to have to turn the page. And you watch this offseason. I bet you they do address that. I do. I bet you they do try to upgrade a QB because Kyle Shanahan knows that Jimmy G is a limiting factor for them or Nick Mullins uh, as far as that goes. All right, let's do our two green games here. It's our FanDuel boosted bet of the week. And, uh, Schwartz, one more time. Lay, lay, lay the specific, yeah. and then we'll tell so- you the why. Jets plus eight and a half, Eagles plus eight and a half, parlay together at plus two seventy five. A couple reasons for my reasons. Um, the Jets have not played well this year, but this is a game I feel like they think they can win. The Raiders just got blasted by the Falcons, and gives them opportunity to, um, to really I think just the one chance they might have to win. Derek Carter's not played well in the cold. It's going to be cold in 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 in, uh, in MetLife. On the Eagles side. It's it's almost like a, a Packers play down to opponents bet. Like I don't think the Eagles are doing good things right now. They're clearly not, but they did enough to cover that game against Seattle. And that defense with Green Bay is kind of suspect. And the Packers have played down to teams this year, so I think we got some good value here putting these together. I agree. It's it. I know it. it it's in the direction of a Christmas miracle to to think that these two things are going to happen. Let alone one of them, uh, or the other way around. Uh, one of these things is going to happen. Let alone both of them. Um, but I'm with you on the Jets in the sense that, like I say, it's the opposite of sitting at the 21 table and you and you just keep busting over and over again and then thinking to yourself, well, it's got to turn around at some point. But in pro football terms, 
Are the Jets going to go over? They're really going to go over? It's going to be cold in New York or New Jersey. You know that they want to give the ball to to Josh Jacobs some. For what it's worth, Quinnen Williams is playing well. He's starting to pop a little bit more and more. I feel like Denzel Mims is starting to show up a little bit more and more. I just think it's hard to go 0-16. And, and I think that this one, kind of you circle this one, I think the Raiders have had nice moments, but I don't think they're world beaters necessarily either. I, I like the Jets um, with the points there. And then the Eagles, I mean, it's hard for me to summon uh, much enthusiasm for them. But again, and this dates back to 2017, the reason that the Eagles won that Super Bowl had, was, had much less to do with Nick Foles or anything else than it did with their with their defensive front and their ability to rush the passer. I think that, like you say, Schwartz, sometimes the Packers this year have played down the competition. I do think for all the other weaknesses on the Eagles, they do consistently get to the QB. I'm going to yeah. say, again, Eagles with the po- well, plus the points. I'll say you, Spaghetti. Uh, I think that, yeah, you got to do this. I love this parlay boost. Um, I agree in the sense. I've been saying the Jets are going to sneak one. At some point this season, they're not going to go 0 and 16. Uh, I do trust the some pieces of talent they have there. Uh, you know, despite obviously them leaving Gase as head coach because they want to go 0 and 16 for Trevor Lawrence. And with the the Eagles portion of this bet too, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of heat on Carson Wentz, and yeah, people are second guessing why they took Jalen Rager or over the other receivers who are you know flourishing so far this season. Uh, obviously, a, a ton of O line issues and defensive issues as well with injuries, but they're they're a strange team that they'll somehow win a game they're not supposed to. I I still kind of trust. Carson Wentz's like schoolyard kind of quarterback play and with the Packers it's one of those things like they're not they're not the elite class of the NFC team I could see them slipping up and I think this bet is just too good to uh to pass up you got to go on family.com slash my and make it specifically I think Miles Sanders can uh can have a good day he could uh hit a home run or two that would be the difference in in you winning this one last thing Schwartz and then we'll be done for the day do you agree with my little um hypothesis when people say what's different like Carson Wentz was almost the MVP a couple of years ago what's different am I right that sometimes that when a team wins a Super Bowl or makes a really surprising deep playoff run that we hold up the head coach and it's like let's see that guy really knows what he's doing and sometimes it's the coordinators or below and I think Frank Reich is the difference Frank Reich left it's not a coincidence that since he moved to Indianapolis, that the Eagles offense and specifically their QBs have been on a steady decline. Fair enough. I think it's fair um, because something's broken in that offense. Like it's just, it's just not clicking and it's not just, it's Wentz's fault too, but you know, when bad offenses are bad, it's not just one thing typically. And it can't like, I mentioned the Panthers earlier, way back in eight hours ago in the start of the show uh, about the Panthers. We were bad because of Clawson. That was, but most of the time you're bad because of everyone screws up at different times. The Eagles are a great example. Monday night, Carson Wentz would screw up and would protect them. And then one time they had a great screen call. The wide receiver just didn't do it. Just didn't run the screen. And so something's broken there and, and it could be the coaching. I, and I do think they're going to explore moving on. I mean, they have to find something to do. Boy, that, I mean, that would be harsh. The guy who finally ends the Eagles' streak of, uh, of Lombardi-less years and, and a couple few years later, uh, and I don't think you're crazy that they are looking at it. It sure sounds that way. 
Now, Schwartz, you say eight hours ago. Does that mean you didn't enjoy yourself these last 90 minutes or whatever we've been spending? I, I am a, uh, a millennial, and my attention span uh, can be quite short at times. Did you get and bored? As much as I, no, as much as now I Now I'm going to knock you out. Now I am going to knock you out. As much as I like talking, just talking straight for a while. You know, and, and also, too, to be fair, I missed lunch. I'm pretty hungry. So okay. I'm excited to go eat. Like, really Spag excited. Spaghetti's hungry for something. I don't know what. He's, he's, got, he's hungry for blood. He's angry that I diminished his Irish. Gonna, I didn't even pick against too. them. I said, good. if they lose. I said, if they lose by double digits. I didn't even say that they would lose by double digits. I said, if they did, that would be it. And by the way, certainly that would be true. Notre Dame beats them by a point. The idea that you would put Clemson into the title game, and they still might get in given the lack of teams to viably send to a Final Four, you still might end up seeing Clemson in there if they lose. That would be even worse, in my opinion. I can't wait until they just stuff the crap out of Trevor Lawrence and they beat up on, on Clemson. I'm going to be the happiest right, person. I won't be spiteful to me. I don't care. I'm, I'm not spiteful. I, just, I'm happy I love Trump. Washington. I love Washington this week. I think Washington's. A, a, I'd rather root for Eddie Spaghetti than Dabo Sweeney. I can guarantee you that. That's true. That is very true. Um, all right. Schwartz is hungry. He's got to go eat. He's got to go eat an egg burrito and uh, a I frittata actually make and, a, and an egg burrito again, and maybe one of those chickens in his backyard. Eddie Spaghetti has to go and. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what. Eat some spaghetti. Who knows? He's got to go. He's got to go massage Daniel Jones's uh, hammy. I don't know what he's going to do. It. do. <laughs> All right, I got. Let me go eat my tacos. Go eat your taco. We'll talk to you uh, next week after Week 13 in front of Week 14 in the NFL and otherwise to let you know how that's all going to go down. Until then, for Jeff Schwartz and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, football fans and sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.